business leaders would be wise to listen to their employees and to listen to that trust and know that they should be out in front and leading. about PACS podcast. I'm Michaela Isler, now PACS executive director. And I'm Adam Belmar, co-host and producer of the number one PAC podcast in America. You love saying that, don't you, Adam? I do. I say it around the house, along with words like employee funded and business trade association <laughs> PACS. That's why it rolls off my tongue so beautifully. Practice. Perfect. I hear that. Well, you know, our guests today have made a practice out of providing the business community with some of the most important insights into the minds of employed registered voters. Exactly right. The team at BIPAC is here to share the results of their 2022 post-election survey of employed registered voters. And in my best Dateline NBC voice, I might also add, what they found will shock you. Coming up, Tim Reardon and Kim Dercho with the data and insights every PAC manager truly needs to know about the younger generation of workers and what moves them. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAPPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thanks, Adam. And as we always do before we dig into the main course here, just a few NAPPAC activities to read out. We kicked off our new Let's Talk series series last week, and we're going to be continuing that on March 8th. We had some really great feedback from our first ever Let's Talk series. And so on March 8th, we're bringing in one of our favorites, Adam, Tracy Edmonds, to give us some insights on a lot of the DE&I work that I know so many of our members have been committed to and prioritizing in their PAC programs. And she's going to really talk through some case studies and ways that different issues were worked out. So we're really excited. These are really meant to be just sort of third minute deep dives on a particular issue with one speaker. And Adam, the feedback we had from last week's with Micah Hyder Evans from American Chemistry Council was really, really positive. And we took the opportunity to bring this entire audience inside that entire production and talk to Amy Adams. Her energy was palpable on our last episode and there is no better storyteller. So I'll be I'll be on board for a Let's Talk in March. And then we'll uh, also have Carol Laham, partner over at Wiley Ryan, who's going to come back to NABPAC monthly luncheon series with our usual quarterly legal and compliance seminar. But I think our listeners are really going to want to hone in on this particular luncheon on March 21st, where we're going to be talking through another sort of bit of case studies. I know it's been in the media a little bit around some of the fraudulent activities that have been taking place with PACs. And we've been talking about this for several months now and really talking about ways to protect your PAC from this kind of fraud. We've been talking a lot about something called positive pay that your banks likely uh, have some form of that. There's, I guess, Adam, I didn't realize, but there's probably three or four different ways that different banks incorporate this positive pay. And there's some that are actually a little bit better than others. So we're going to have a couple of case studies to talk through sort of what you can do to manage through these difficult times and sort of what Carol's seeing from her lens. And, And also, as always, she'll talk about some latest trends in this first quarter of the cycle. It is remarkable how we can all feel like something is in the zeitgeist, it's in the headlines, but it doesn't impact us until it's happened either to us or someone that we know. These case studies are so incisive because they are from folks that we know. This is happening, and your best defense is a good offense, and Carol Laham is as good as it gets. Yeah, there's something going on, and we thought when we first started talking about those, it was sort of a one or two off situation, but now we're seeing a lot more activity here. So, looking forward to that. 
And then finally, Adam, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention we're back in April, actually, with our roundtable discussions. This is something we do on a quarterly basis, but uh, ever popular, we break out our roundtables by corporate types. And it's really uh, an open session for our members to come and hear from their peers what they're facing in this moment, if they're a corporate PAC, if they're a trade association with corporate members, which we all know is slightly different than a trade association with individual members. And it's an opportunity for our members to really convene and come together and talk through the issues that they're facing. So for all of our members, go to NAPAC Connect to get registered for all of these upcoming events. We have lots of great events coming down the pike through the rest of the year, but this gets us, Adam, through the first couple of months of the year. All of the things that are going on, it just, I feel like we're in the middle of that first quarter of the year. And metaphorically speaking, the dust has settled on the old Edelman Trust barometer. And when that happens, you know it's time for the latest edition of the other resource that businesses trust, the BIPAC post-election survey. Yeah. And joining us now, I'm really excited to walk through what's new, what's not, what's hot. I want to welcome back to this podcast, our very good friends, Tim Reardon, President and CEO of BIPAC and Kim Durcho, Senior Vice President and Chief of Staff. Great to have you both on the show together for once. Thanks, Michaela and Adam. It's exciting to be back. Yes. Good to see you and uh, look forward. Happy New Year. There is so much to discuss in these findings. Can you just start us all off with when and how the survey was conducted and give everybody a sense of how many employed registered voters participated in this BIPAC exercise? Yeah, so the survey was conducted uh, November 10th through the 13th, 2022, using an online questionnaire. We wanted to get the survey into the field quickly after Election Day because we felt it was critical to capture the sentiment immediately following the midterm elections. Our sample was 3,010 private sector employed registered voters representing every state and 99% of congressional districts. Kim, that is fantastic. Such a great pool of registered, engaged, employed voters. You know, I see great promise in these results, Tim, as I look at them. And you have really focused on five key findings in the data. Can you just give us the sort of 30,000 foot view? The most exciting and I think really what uh, uh, stood out the most is that, uh, you know, employees want their employer to be active in providing information on upcoming elections and candidates, which isn't new. But what is new is the significant increase in Gen Z and millennial employees reporting that. We saw 47% of younger employees, 18 to 34, and 55% of Gen Z employees indicating that they want their employer to be active. That is really, really exciting. But only 1% actually say their employer had the greatest impact in the voting decision. And that's something that we, again, have seen. And it is really, uh, I think, a result of the, the next uh, item, which is only 13 percent of employees are aware that their employer is providing information uh, about elections and, and candidates. So that's the, the work that needs to be done. But we did see a large majority of respondents indicating that they trust their employer to make the right decision on social issues. And there's a lot of support for schedule flexibility, PTO to allow employees to vote and to use the information that hopefully they're receiving from their employer to cast their ballot. Tim, you know, I know you all have been doing this survey for a number of years, and I'm, I am a little surprised about the 1% of uh, respondents who recall hearing from their employer. How has that been trending? Because I feel like it used to be much higher than that. Is that a historic low? 
It is low, but we also have a larger sample than we've ever had before. We saw an increase in internet research and and social media and also friends and family, which I I think speaks to a return to a little bit of normalcy where there can be discourse about, uh, about candidates, but also that there is interest in candidates and who's running. So we saw proactive outreach, especially amongst the younger generation, looking for information and looking for information sources about candidates and about elections. Yeah. You know, the problem with information when you go looking for it is you you need to assign value to it. I assign high value to this information that we're talking about. I think many people in our community do. And I think the room for improvement, right? The glass half full part of this is the appetite is there, but we're just not connecting as well as we might, Michaela. And this is something that the business community struggles with. And it's a renewed struggle because that river that you never step in twice is always being populated with fresh employees. It's a re-education effort to some extent. It is. And I wonder too, and I don't know, Tim and Kim, if you have any insight on this, but because things have been so polarized these last several years, have companies in particular been in some ways scared to talk about anything related to politics just because it's been such a polarizing environment? Do you have any sense of that from the survey or in your discussions? Well, I think that the trust that was indicated on social issues and the employer making the right decision for the business around social issues speaks to the confidence that the employees have in their employer that they have their best interest in mind. And frankly, business leaders would be wise to listen to their employees and to listen to that trust and know that they should be out in front and leading. And to not say anything is to probably speak louder than anything that you might say. So I would encourage every business leader to step up and speak. I've got to imagine that people in the community who are looking at this are probably turning around and asking you in BIPAC, you know, how do we solve the disconnect, right? What can companies do in the near term? Yeah, so there isn't a quick way to to close the gap or an overnight fix, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't start implementing new ideas and make changes now that will ultimately lead to long-term success and a culture of engagement. It's important to maintain ongoing and consistent dialogue with employees and stakeholders. While we focused on election-related information in the survey, our findings, as Tim said, show the majority of employees trust their employer. Engaging with them throughout the year, every year, and not just during elections, builds on this trust and really does establish lines of communication. To add to that, we also need to think about the way we provide this information. Not every person wants to receive resources in the same way. As practitioners, we can look to our colleagues in groups across the organization like marketing and communications and borrow some of their ideas. We all have our tried and true methods for sharing our material, but we need to consider the entire audience and how they may uniquely prefer to get their information. Some want to read a short email or engage on internal social media, while others prefer on-demand content from a webinar or podcast like this one. By mixing up our mediums of delivery and our messengers and sharing a variety of trusted sources, we essentially allow our employee and stakeholder voters to create their own journey for learning about candidates and making a plan to vote. It's always important to adopt your organization's culture when you're thinking about your messaging and recognize that you know there is no one-size-fits-all approach to all of this. It has to meet your organization's needs and really fit the culture. Yeah, Kim, as someone who relied on this survey data exactly probably 20, 20 you know, probably 18, 20 years ago, 
this was the data that I used to build the case for our company to engage with our employees more directly. And it wasn't about being partisan. It was really truly about good government. Our employees want this information. In fact, what we found over the 10 years that we utilized this data was that they found it as an employee benefit, really just being able to showcase even just how to get registered to vote or where to go vote or where to read up about the candidates and to be able to provide that information in sort of a one-stop shop was so helpful to our employees. But it was this data that was sort of counterintuitive to our leadership to be able to implement the programs. You know, Michaela, I've heard you say that before and I've tried to learn from it and I'm correlating it to the data that I'm looking at in this BIPAC post-election survey. 85%. Mm-hmm. This is just something we don't see a lot in any case. But when it comes to trusting your employer to make the right decision about social issues impacting the business or the community as a whole, four out of five employees are saying, yes, we have that trust. So that is a responsibility then to be able to deliver on that as a promise of quality information. That's a lot of capital that businesses are sitting on that can be converted and built upon. Absolutely. It's a lot of trust. As I mentioned before, I think it's a recognition that employees trust their employer to make the best decision for the business. Um, And whether that's a social issue, whether that's a business issue, it recognition that it impacts employees, the business success and the communities that they live, work and, and play in. But let me make a point that that trust needs to be reciprocated and nurtured or else it's going to begin to fade. And, you know, we, we talk about this as an opportunity for businesses to engage, and but it's not going to be there forever. You know, as Kim mentioned, providing information on issues throughout the course of the year, not just at election time, is a great way to establish that framework and that network of communication that really lets those employees know that they are seen and they are heard. And that is really critical to nurturing and building on that trust. So, Kim, you know, as we look ahead, how do your BIPAC members feel about the overwhelming support employees have for them to encourage voter participation with scheduled flexibility or PTO on Election Day? I don't think this comes as a big surprise to most of our members. Uh, and I think it's a nice and natural extension of what we began back in 2014 with Employee Voter Registration Week. And we've talked about on this show. It's important that we inform and engage employees with these resources on elections, but we must also provide them with the flexibility needed to cast their ballot. It just makes sense. Employers are responding to the demand from their employees and the recognition that we've come through a a number of years of COVID. There's been a lot of changes to how we can vote, where we can vote and and logistics that companies have to be flexible. They're only giving half the solution. If they're providing the information, but not the ability to go and vote, they're only addressing half of the issue. And I think that the adoption of this across the board, it crosses party lines, it crosses industries, it crosses all regions, is that People need to get out and vote and some need more flexibility than others. And companies, uh, I think, recognize that our members have been very supportive of it. And to the point of not just offering it, but communicating it, making sure it is known throughout the community and throughout the organization that the employees have the ability to take the time to get there. Voting is critical and they have the ability to do it and the support from their employer. 
Every time you all take this survey, we appreciate the results a little bit more. We're getting more information. We're reinforcing things that we know, which is critically important, and identifying areas where we have to do better. I'm most curious personally, and, and maybe our audience is too, about this emerging profile of the younger generation of workers. Are they going to shock us in 2024? Yes. And uh, I think that this younger generation that goes out to look for and seeks information and it does create the ability for bad actors or for someone who has a uh, you know malicious intent to create false content. And that is something that you know we all battle constantly is trying to correct the narrative on any matter of things. But personally, I think the biggest surprise is going to be the increase in Gen Z candidates running for and winning office. We had one in 2022. I think we're going to see a lot more in 2024. You know, Tim, that's something we've talked a lot about with our members as well, especially as we look at all of the new Gen Zers coming into the workplace. I think it's something like a third of our employees are new. There's a real opportunity to be able to get out and talk about these issues to show that being engaged in the process is important to organizations. It's a win-win for organizations and their employees. And I, I really hope that this survey data can be spread far and wide with our members and others in the government relations space, because it really, I think there's so much fear around talking about anything related to politics because of some of the polarizing social issues. But this data, I think, should give some confidence in in the work that these government relations and these organizations are doing with their employees to get out there and talk about these issues. And I, I know that they will find that the data survey is accurate and true. So I just want to thank both you, Tim Reardon and Kim Dercho from BIPAC. Thank you both so much for being with us on the Facts About PACs podcast again. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And to our listeners, subscribe and meet us right back here next week. 